The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER My dream would have been to play for the Detroit Tigers, but my goal was still alive. So once I got to Richmond, which is AAA, I had to get moved up because I got traded for a big leaguer. I realized, wow, Atlanta's not very good. <laughs> and, uh, and they could use some pitching. Hi, my name is John Smoltz, and I golf. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to a post-Super Bowl edition of Off the Beat. That's right. No more football, but it's still me, your host, Brian Baumgartner. Yeah, the Super Bowl is over. Football season is officially done. But after winter comes the spring training. Spring training. Guys, get it? Here to help us ease into that magical transition from football season to baseball season, my guest today is none other than, well, he would call himself a hero of mine, John Smoltz. John, of course, a first ballot Hall of Fame pitcher, eight-time All-Star, 1995 World Series champion who spent 20 years on my hometown team, the Atlanta Braves. How's this? For some perspective, he joined the Braves when I was in high school back in Atlanta, and he stayed with the team until 2009, which was quite a long time after I graduated from high school. Let's just put it that way. Nowadays, John is the lead game analyst for Fox Sports MLB coverage, including eight years in a row analyzing for all of us at home, the World Series. 
John is a renowned golfer as well, making appearances on the Champions Tour, of course, a regular at the American Century Championship, and he is a two-time winner of the Hilton Grand Vacations Tournament of Champions, not to mention he's a ripping accordion player, but I'm going to stay very far away from that. So here he is, Marmaduke, the guy I call Smoltzy, John Smoltz. Bubble and squeak, I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning. Left over from the night before. What's up, Johnny? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Smoltzy. Marmaduke. Yeah. Where did Marmaduke come from? I just saw that. Marmaduke research. came in my first year from Dale Murphy, nicknamed me Marmaduke, and put a huge bone over my locker, and it had Duke on it. And he said I reminded him of the cartoon character or caricature of uh, Marmaduke. Oh, I hadn't heard that one before. Yeah. I like that. Everybody calls you yeah. Smoltzy, right? That's yeah, the one that's stuck. Yeah, in the big leagues, if you can add a Y to anybody's last name, that's usually what happens. You know, that's what everybody does. And to be honest with you, that was the biggest habit I had to break when I became a broadcaster because I only knew guys by their nicknames. I had to oh, look really? up some guys' first names because <laughs> because you only know them by your nicknames and the last names. That's, uh, yeah, I had to do a little work on that. Yeah. All right, I, I want to talk about you as the lead analyst on Fox MLB 8 World Series in a row. You've now called more World Series that you appeared in, and you appeared in a hell of a lot. You grew up in Michigan, a big Tigers fan you were. Yeah. Your grandfather, Father John, he worked for the Tigers for yeah. a long time. Is that right? He did. He was on the ground crew for 12, 13 years, and he worked in the press room. And we went to game after game because he could get us in. Uh, we would sit in seats till somebody tapped us on the shoulder and said that those were their seats. So we <laughs> moved around till somebody didn't show up. And, um, yeah, he used to tell everybody when I was 12, 13, 14 years old, go to the games. He goes, one day, my grandson's going to play in the big leagues. And, you know, I was like, Gramps, hey, you know, stop. But he told everybody that came through the press room, all the general manager, owners, you know, all the people that would come through. And lo and behold, you know, it ended up happening. Who was your favorite Tiger growing up? Uh, I would say Alan Trammell, um, Lou Whitaker, that double. I, I had number three in high school, and Alan Trammell wore number three. You know, I went to the the – the 84 World Series game that they won where Gibson hit the home run off of Goose Gossage. Wow. I was sitting right there. The best story of all time is that, you know, here I am. This is, um, I'm, I don't know, you know, if I'm going to get drafted the next year, but there's a good chance I get drafted. The Tigers win it. We're in the stands, my dad, my brother, and I. And for whatever reason in Detroit, when they won the World Series, the people went on the field and started ripping up the infield and started throwing the sod. So me and my brother went and got the sod and we planted it in our backyard. We had like two or three squares of the infield sod. And my dad put a tiger statue that overlooked the tiger grass. And then the next year I get drafted by the tigers. It didn't get drafted where I wanted to, but it ended up working out. I, I, I signed 
last day. I was going to Michigan State on Monday, and Sunday night I signed with the Tigers, so I started my quest to be with my hometown team. Now, fast forward to the trade, which wasn't setting well with everybody in the hometown you know, state. Right. I came home that offseason, and the Tiger was gone, and the grass had been pulled up. My dad because, wasn't happy. Yeah, because I got Because traded. the Tigers traded you. Yeah. Wow. When, you're, when your grandfather was telling owners, everybody in the press box, that his grandson was going to play for the Tigers, were you good at that yeah, time? I was. Like, were you playing? You were... Yeah. You were playing and, and having some success. Yeah. So it wasn't yeah. just crazy. No, it yeah. wasn't crazy. But the crazy part was like, you know, how would you know that it's going to be with the Tigers? You know, there's right. 30 teams. And when draft time came, I had signed so early to go to Michigan State. I think it hurt my draft stock. And so I got drafted in the 22nd round, which in that day, you just, you don't go, you don't sign. You know, college is worth right. more. I had a fantastic summer. I played in the three top tournaments. Triple ABA in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. I played in the Junior Olympics. I unfortunately lost two to one in the gold medal game to Cuba, but it was a great summer and my stock kept rising. So that's what allowed the money to get closer to first round money. And I literally did sign at the last minute. So it, it ended up working out in a weird way. Yeah, I read that you were going to go to Michigan State. Was, was Judd, like, did he specifically recruit you? We, Judd, Judd said that I could play both sports. You know, I could come out for basketball and that I'd play basketball and baseball. That was one of the things we discussed. I had probably better offers basketball wise at smaller schools in the mid Michigan area, but I was really intrigued with the opportunity to play both sports. It was one of the few times that Judd Heathcote didn't have a true point guard and I could have helped a lot. Um, don't know how much I would have played because of the two sports. And somewhat of a crossover, but not much. And that I, I kind of always think, well, what you know, what, what would that have been like? Basketball is my first love. I play, I played all the way till I was fifty-one, and I think that would have been a, a, that would have been a, a, a tremendous challenge. I would have loved to see how I could have done. Do you think you can shoot the rock better than me? One hundred percent. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be fair um, if we jo- if we went in the gym and we shot like thirty-three points. Let me let me ask you a question. John. Yeah. Have you ever free throw line extended 15 yeah. footers? Yeah. Have you ever made 13 in a row on national television cuz one one of us has. I have not made 13 in a row. Um, yes! But my but my record is 66 in a row. 66 free throws in a row? Yes. Wow. That would be a challenge. Yeah. That would that would be a challenge. The legs might get a little <laughs> Like get a little Bernie. Did, now, did you take three days? Did you shoot like twenty two, and then the next day shoot oh, twenty two? No. No, yeah, our okay. coach, our coach had a competition every year in high every every day in high school on on free throws, and I got to sixty six was um, was the record. You know, if I were to go in a gym today, people ask me all the time, and I haven't shot much. I, I think I could make eighty eight to ninety out of a hundred. Just continuous. Okay. All right. We might have to one of these one of these events. We might have to. We might have to find a gym. Sneak away. <laughs> we might have to find. A, we might have to find a gym. I like that. I got to find something I can beat you in, John. Um, I do have to mention you. You talked about being recruited to sports, Michigan State, which again was your was your you were a fan. You were a Michigan yeah. State guy growing up. 
uh, and then you got drafted. But I got to ask you, because I read this, 1985, uh, it was your senior season. You yeah. played the championship game in high school. They're heavy favorites. Now, I want you to tell me the story a little bit. There, there was some requirements about innings. You could only pitch a certain number of innings. No, there and, wasn't. There wasn't requirements. We were we were not a great baseball team. Okay, I believe I was thirteen and four, twelve and four, and we were thirteen and fourteen. Okay, so okay. it was an invitational tournament that we got invited to, and it's the top teams in the state usually get picked. Uh, it's a it's a Friday, Monday, Wednesday tournament, and so okay. I pitched Friday against my former high school that I transferred from okay. some political reasons. I threw a no hitter and struck out 16 against them. By the way, that was Lan- Lansing Catholic central school. That's correct. I did my research. Go ahead. You go did. Ahead. And then Monday I, I pitched and we won. Wednesday was the championship game. I couldn't pitch, you know, it would that obviously can't do Friday, Monday. I mean, it wouldn't be physically smart. And yeah. so the championship games on Wednesday, there's a ton of people there. We get to the third inning. And there's bases loaded, nobody out, and the game is tied now. And I called my coach out, who was my basketball coach, and he was filling in for the baseball coach vacancy. And I said, let me get out of this jam. And he goes, okay, and then what? I said, well, we'll just piece it together, but let me get out of the jam. I get out of the jam. I pitch the fourth. I pitch the fifth. It's now the sixth. I'm gassed. It's now seven innings is what we play. I pitch the top of the seventh. Then in extra innings in the bottom of the eighth, I hit a walk-off home run to win the championship on my last swing of my high school career. And to this day, still one of the greatest moments I've ever had other than winning a World Series for Major League Baseball. I don't, like in basketball, I never talked. And in baseball, I never talked. But when I hit that home run, I was, it was immediate. I was jumping up and down at home plate. And I think at some point the umpire goes, okay, now you got to run around the bases. <laughs> and I ran around the bases and everybody on the other team kind of gave me five. And it was, it was one of those things I wouldn't recommend, like in your senior year, pitching all those innings, but it worked out. And, uh, you know, we ended up winning it. Well, I ask you about it because of your future success. I have, I, I read that you said best on field baseball achievement. Yeah. I mean, the home granted, run granted and the it's pitching. High school. At, yes. Granted, it's high school. But I, I did pitch Monday and, and, and Wednesday. I, I mean, I did pitch Friday and Monday complete games. And I was just thinking I could get out of the jam and then we'd figure something out. And, and I just said, I'll go one more. And then I'll go one more and I'll go one more. And, and to hit that home run and everybody ran on the field. I think the next day they might have pushed back exams and we had a big pep rally. And it, it was pretty cool for our school. We're not really. We're not known for baseball. That's awesome. You mentioned uh, making the last-minute decision to go to the hometown Tigers. You were about to report for classes at Michigan State. Was it the money? Was it that it was your hometown team? Was it you were just ready to start your professional career? Like wh- where yeah. wh- it came down to the end. What what was what was the deciding factor? So to tell you how many thousands of years ago it was, $100,000 was first round money back then. Okay. Today, obviously it's millions and and good for them. But my high school or my college coach at the time, Michigan State, Tom Smith, I don't know of many other people that would have done this. 
as he sat in the room and he said, as bad as we want you to come to Michigan State, if you get first round money, you really need to go. You'll be ready. And at, at that point, it was the perfect scenario. I did get first round money. It took all the way to the end to get that because, you know, 22nd rounders don't get that. And, and I felt like I was ready. And I told my dad, he was basically doing all my negotiations for me. He was a salesman by trade. And I told him, dad, if you can get me first round money, I'll go. If not, I'm ready to go to Michigan State. And so it was a perfect balance. I think back to my college coach at the time. I'm like, he didn't have to do that. But he, he knew what was best for me at the time if that happened and, and it worked out. You know, I like to, to look at sort of defining moments in your in your life and specifically in, in your career like do you ever go back and wonder if that was the right decision if you were ready or do you feel like you it was time for you to, I, to start your career I, I felt like it was the best track to get to the big leagues you know at that time and in, in the way that baseball was being played there were a lot of guys that played a long time right it was it was more about preparing to play long term than just what today's world is about exercising the maximum velocity and everything that you do. So it got me into the system quicker and it allowed me to navigate. And of course the trade helped big time, but I do think a lot about what, it, what would it have been like to go play two sports and to play basketball. But, but ultimately that decision led to some other decisions that, that ultimately gave me the greatest opportunity with the Atlanta Braves. Your dad, rips up the turf. Yeah. He takes he takes down the tiger because Doyle Brunson comes to Detroit and you head across the country to Atlanta. Initially, this is 1988. Now it's only yeah. 3 years in, by the right. way, but it is 3 years. You've spent now 3 years with the organization. Were you happy? Could you see anything or were you just like, well, shit. I just got I was, traded. I was devastated. devastated. I, I was, I, um, so I, my dad was a jokester and he liked to prank and call, he was, you know, always laughing and, and, and I was having a miserable, uh, double A season. I think I was five and 11 and I was sitting in Glens Falls stadium and I got two notes given to me. Uh, one was call home immediately or call my dad. And then the next was call Detroit front office. Well, I thought something was wrong with my dad. So, Again, a thousand years ago, I used the payphone in the clubhouse <laughs> and I called my dad and I said, is everything okay? And he goes, you just been traded to the Atlanta Braves. I said, dad, it's not funny. I'm not having a good year. I, I, I promise you I'm going to come home and I, and I, this is not funny. He goes, no, I just heard it. And then I looked at the other note and I went, dad, I'm going to have to call you back. And I called Detroit front office. And again, I'm just like my head spinning. And they said, you've been traded. For Doyle Alexander to go to Richmond with the Atlanta Braves, you know, you got a report. And I, my manager was in the office and he said, what is the deal? And I said, I've just been traded. And I was speechless. And again, not thinking that somebody wanted me, I felt like my team didn't want me because I was 5-11. I was, I was a top prospect. Well, when I made the 14-hour drive, my dad called and said, you want me to come with you? I said, no, no, I'm going to do this myself. I made the 14 hour drive. And in that drive, I realized my goal was to make it to the big leagues. My dream would have been to play for the Detroit Tigers, but my goal was still alive. So once I got to Richmond, which is AAA, I had to get moved up because I got traded for a big leaguer. 
I realized, wow, Atlanta's not very good. <laughs> and, uh, and they could use some pitching. And so it, it kicked in right away. It gave me unbelievable opportunities. And I look, I look back and go, you know, there's no doubt. I, I feel like I would have made it with Detroit, but there's no doubt that this was the best route for me. And, you know, the rest was history. So enter into the story, me. I am, I'm in high school. The Braves are terrible. Yeah. They have been terrible. I, you know, I had birthday parties at uh, Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. It was really easy to do, as you said, go just go sit wherever you want to sit because the likelihood was no one was going to show up. Yeah. I was a huge Braves fan. You were there and eventually make the big leaves and start what is one of the greatest runs in baseball history. Some would say the greatest in terms of division titles one it all starts with that worst to first year in 1991 i feel like i remember this when i was looking over this this came up which i had totally forgotten and i would have given you shit over the years if i had remembered this the braves in 90 were awful 91 yeah. end up making an improbable and historic World Series run ends up being what I believe to be is the greatest World Series of all time against the Minnesota Twins. You started the season 2-11. and 2-11. and 2-11. I don't know how you guys stayed in the, in the hunt. And I remember that was the Dodgers, and it was. It yeah. did come down to the very end. But 2-11, and 11, you saw a sports psychologist. Yep. And you finished the season 12 and two. Is this real? I feel like I remember this, but. Yeah. So I, I'm coming off of uh, 1990. I had a really good year. I won 15 games. We lost 100 or close to it. Yeah. And we get a new general manager, John Scherholz, and he implements a new system. And I'll be honest, um, I talk about it. I said it in my book. I was ticked. He, he renewed my contract. I got no raise and I took it personal. And. I changed my philosophy. I was a guy that, like, I don't mind digging out of a hole. I'm, I'm a grinder. I learn from my mistakes, but I'm always going to give you my best. There's no chance, no matter what you pay me, I'm not going to give my best. Well, now I'm out to show them, and I'm going to, I'm going to win 50 games this year. It's like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, and I started out. I had my 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 first child was ready to get born. It was the perfect storm, and I start out two and eleven, and it's awful. But it wasn't. The worst two and 11 you've ever seen. It was just one bad inning every game. Okay. So I'd be pitching really good and then one bad inning and I would get frustrated and I wasn't able to control kind of like the big inning. So John at all star break asked me, would you mind seeing, you know, talking to sports psychologists? I said, yeah, no problem. You know, whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm close to getting either back in the bullpen or in the minors. And so I, I see the sports psychologist really easy it was nothing. You know what really clicked for me was he put together a two-minute film of all my best pitches. And that's all I did. I watched it before every start. And it was all my pitches. It wasn't somebody else's pitches. And I got into a bad funk mentally. And the way that I got out of it was I knew I could throw all these pitches. And I knew I could be who I was. So I just pulled it up anytime I needed to. And that was it. Now, the story gets bigger and bigger and bigger as I keep winning. And I don't know what's going on in the backdrop. I don't know that he's doing interviews and that he's wearing a red shirt and that all these things 
are being right. attributed to, to I remember like remember this. Yeah. Yes. And so I, I'm, I'm naive to it, but all I know is I'm on a roll and I can't lose the last three months of the season. I go 12 and two. And now here comes the three biggest games I'm ever going to pitch. Right. And so I pitch the, the game that gets us into the postseason. When we're two and 11 and nine games behind the Dodgers, it doesn't take a math wizard to know that my nine games, you know, under 500 was a big part of that. Right. So here comes Saturday night. If we win that game, we're in the playoffs for the right. first time in forever. And that's the nine inning game where, you know, Greg comes out and jumps in my arms. It wasn't the greatest nine inning game I've ever pitched. I think I gave up five runs. But back then, if you were still in command, you know, Bobby was going to let you finish the game, which right. was great. So now we go to the postseason. By the way, my first postseason game, I have to tell this truth. They changed the game time so many times. The pitcher's nightmare and every player's nightmare is that you're going to miss first pitch or you're going to be late for the game. And I didn't take very long to get ready. It took me 12 to 15 minutes of warming up. And I'm sitting on the training room table. I don't even have my baseball pants on. I'm, I've just got stretched. The phone rings and my trainer answers it and says, yep. Okay. Yeah. He's right here. All right. Gotcha. Hangs it up. He goes, that's your manager wanting to know where the heck you are. The game starts in 15 minutes. Now I go in dead panic. I mean, I'm running, trying to get my pants on. I'm trying to get down to the bullpen. And I'm telling myself the game's going to start. When I say it starts, like I'm going to control it somehow. Right. Um, 12, 12 minutes, warm up. I race to the, to the dugout. I can get ready for first pitch. This is my first postseason game. First batter of the game gets, I give up a home run. I ended up winning the game. We ended up winning. And now, now it's game seven. So now I, I've settled my, my nerves a little bit. I'm in game seven and it's in Pittsburgh and it was a dream come true. I got to pitch nine innings to shut out. He jumps in my arms again. Now we go to Minnesota and we're going to, we're going to pull off the trifecta. I get food poisoning. I don't make it out of my hotel room for two games, three days. I don't even go to the stadium. I come wow. home. I pitch game four, and then, of course, I pitch game seven. And I agree with you. I think it's the greatest World Series ever played between two of the teams that I get. I, I know how the industry works, and you do now. You do as well in being in the industry. CBS had their head in their hands going, this is going to be the worst watch World <laughs> Series ever. Two last place teams. Atlanta, Minnesota. Yeah, and it turned epic. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen Nicotine Pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen Nicotine Pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at Zen.com. That's Z-Y-N.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical.
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I asked you, I was, I was baiting you a little bit. You didn't take the bait. Jack Morris, you face. Yeah. Were you a fan? Yeah. Because at the, at the, at this point, you're the young guy. He's the older guy pitched for Detroit for so many years. Like, were you a big fan of Jack's growing up? I watched every game. I knew everything about him. Obviously we have a lot of years difference between us and going up against him was, was obviously a dream. Now, he was a little bit older and curmudgeon at that time. And when they asked him about, hey, what is it going to be like, guy that grew up idolizing you, pitching against you in game seven, he goes, I don't flip and care about him or what he <laughs> You know, he wanted to win the game. And we've <laughs> talked about that game, you know, both being getting a chance to go in the Hall of Fame. But it was truly everything that I did as a kid, as a seven-year-old outside of my brick wall in Lansing, Michigan, a small home. I pitched game seven after seven after seven against this brick wall with a strike zone tape. And and I tell people all the time, I tell them in every talk I give, I went 99-1 and one in those games as a youngster in game seven. Because who's going to believe 100-0? It doesn't sound believable. So I, right. I threw in a fluke loss. But when I got on the mound, it was everything I had dreamed about. It, I wasn't nervous. I was locked in. Uh, it was loud. It was in a dome and it was on the road. But I didn't think I was going to give up a run if I went 14 innings. And unfortunately, I didn't have the tenure that, that Jack did. He told his manager to get the bleep off the mound. And his manager did. I could not say that to my manager because I, I, it wouldn't have went well. Really? You wanted to go? Oh, absolutely. The scenario was first and third one out after kind of a excuse me hit and run. And Kirby Puckett was at the plate. Well, I'd gotten him out, and I think I struck him out twice. And I knew I was going to get him out, even though he's a great player. I just felt like the matchup was best for me. And here comes my manager, and I'm like, there's no way he's taking me out against Kirby Puckett. There's a lefty in the bullpen. And I was mad, and I, I couldn't do anything. And he took me out, brought in Mike Stanton, 
walked Puckett to face Herbeck and Herbeck in a double play. So it ultimately worked. But in my mind, I wasn't, that was the only jam the entire game I got in. And Jack Morris got after, got out of jam after jam. He got out of second and third, nobody out in the eighth. I'm going to take a little blame here for, for us not winning. And I'll tell you why. We are, I'm not superstitious, but I'm not not superstitious. Like I'll do something if it's working, but you're I don't have to do it. <laughs> you're a little stitious. You're a little stitious. I'm a little stitious. So we hadn't scored a run and in the dome, there's like 51 steps to the clubhouse. The clubhouse was above the stadium, above the playing field. So it didn't make sense to go up there, but I wanted to change the environment. So after I pitched the bottom of the seven, I sat in the same seat. I'm saying, I'm changing seats. I'm going up and I'm going to watch it in the clubhouse. Well, we got second and third, nobody out. And I'm like, yes, it worked. I'm coming down and I'm going to see the guy score and I'm going to give him five and the game's over because I just need one. And I went down. Second and third, nobody out, and we didn't score. So I feel like if I would have stayed in the clubhouse and we scored the runs, you know, and then came down, we we might have won that game. But so I'll take a little blame there for changing. You know, I just last week on on the uh, on the podcast here talked to somebody about this, and I I said with surprise, you mean if I'm watching my team and I have to go to the bathroom and they score. I was talking about football. You mean the next drive? I shouldn't go back into the bathroom. I shouldn't go back into the bathroom and not watch on when they get the ball next. Cause of course they'll score again. Right. And if I sit there in front of the TV, they're not going to score. Right. Listen, I told me I had no control. Listen, I'm, I admit I'm a diehard, like I'm a diehard Detroit lions fan. I, and you know what happened, yes, right? I, do. I must have been in five different seats and four different stances to find the one place that would have stopped this crazy momentum and that crazy game that we had in the bag. And I was going to the Super Bowl. I made plans oh, and no. all of these things because I'm 56 years old. They've never been in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So as I'm sitting there watching the game and the seat's hot, and then I have to find a defensive seat because that didn't get. So, yeah, I think there's a lot to that 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 could happen. You know, back in the day, I don't even know if you can say this anymore. I don't I don't care. But I had a specific tomahawk chop yeah. followed by knocking on real wood that I did <laughs> that I feel like affected and helped you guys win no a doubt. hell of a lot of games. If I do say so myself, no doubt 95. I mean, it just incredible world series there. I mean, not just in 91, but against the blue Jays and the Indians in 95, you finally break through. I mean, in terms of star power at that point, it's you, it's Maddox, it's Glavin. By the way, I looked this up a combined 47 and 16 in the regular season. And you're facing Albert Bell, Manny Ramirez, Jim Tomey, Kenny Lofton. I mean, you got speed, Eddie Murray, you got speed and power, an incredible series. And of course, you finally break through and win. Talk to me just a little bit. Well, tell me what, what's your favorite memory? Well, that would be that it. series. Yeah. Just because, winning. Yeah, because we are facing. I, I don't understand in sports. Sometimes we focus so much on what people haven't done, like 
we were being talked about like the Buffalo Bills at the time. You know, Buffalo had gone the Super Bowl those years and not won. And this was going to be, this is going to be another one for us, you know. And so there was a lot of pressure on us. And we had to go through the Colorado Rockies that year, which were loaded. That was that loaded. unbelievable offensive team. Cincinnati Reds had a really good offensive team. And in Cleveland's the best offensive team I think we've ever faced. And to beat them was certainly unbelievable. To be on the dog pile, to finally win was the greatest feeling in the world. And ironically, which was kind of like our signature, we won one nothing. We lost one nothing a bunch. And we won one nothing a bunch. And it was kind of like we didn't get a lot of runs for whatever reason. And Glavin pitched the game of his life. And I was in a tough spot because I was in line to pitch another game seven. Oh, my word. And when you're watching a game six like that and you're trying to mentally stay prepared that in case you don't win, you got to get ready for this. It was torture. And for that game to end and win, it was like we got to act like five-year-olds because – that would have been my fourth game seven. I, I relished it. I loved it, but I wanted so bad for us to win it so that, you know, you don't have to face another, you know, game seven like that. It was obviously joy, but it was it also relief? Yeah, big time. We were answering questions that were foolish. I mean, there's no doubt if you ask every player, especially the ones that were there the longest, we should have won four World Series. No doubt. Our first eight World Series losses were all by one run. That's a play here, a hit there, a pitch here. Anything can go, but you lose. And so when you're in them as many times as we were and winning divisions as many times as we did, you would think by numbers alone we'd have two or three. But it didn't work out. And and, and 96 was the backbreaker. 96, we had the Yankees beat. I was just going to ask. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and it was changed. Was that the biggest all. disappointment? Oh, yeah. I felt like 93 losing to the Phillies was, was probably one of our best teams and they beat us in, in a, in a strange way. Like bases loaded nobody out. They were getting out of jams. But 96, we win the first two games in Yankee stadium by like some stupid combined number. I win my game like 12 to one against Andy Pettit. We go home and the headlines of our paper was Braves better than 27 Yankees. Why play this out? Like, what? What? And so the game just, just the whole momentum switched. We had a 6 nothing lead. We blew it, lost it next to innings. And then again, I lose my game one to nothing to Andy Pettit on an unearned run. And that basically, you know, was the series. And they went on to win four out of five. Yankees did, I believe. That would have been our four out of five. We would have been back-to-back champs. We wouldn't have traded David Justice and Marquise Grissom and all those trades that came afterwards. It changed the course of really our trajectory. And, you know, it was basically because we just didn't get it done. You're the only pitcher in Major League history with 200 wins and 150 saves. Uh, In 2001, because of injuries, you moved to the bullpen. Was it difficult transition? Really hard. I don't want to say. You pissed? Um, no, because at the time, yes and no. Uh, the, the, the no part was it was my suggestion. When I came back as a starter after Tommy John, it didn't work out. My elbow, I got tendonitis, and I had to miss like a month and a half of time. 
we were going to be in the playoffs. So I told my manager, I said, I'm going to go to the minor leagues and learn how to pitch out of the pen so I can help you down the stretch. He goes, no, I'll wait for you to start. And I'm like, Bobby, there's just not enough time. I've missed too much time. So I go down. Nobody knows what to expect. And I mean, I get locked in. I'm throwing 98, 99. And I know what I'm able to do, but nobody else does. It's the, it's the minor leagues, you know. And so I come up. I tell my, I tell them I'm ready. Bobby goes, I, I'll get you in as, as, as soon as I can. You know, I, I'll find a spot for you. It's like an eight to nine run game. It's an insignificant game. I come out of the pen and I remember the place going crazy. I strike out the side or something. I'm throwing 98 and everybody's like, whoa. So I'm pitching the seventh and the eighth because Carse was our closer. And eventually the last month I became the closer. I'm throwing the ball good. 9-11 happens. So baseball gets shut down for a while. Our first game back was against the Mets and I'm in the bullpen getting ready to pitch in New, in New York in New York when oh, Piazza Lord. hits that home run that that really just I mean it's the first time in my professional career I was actually happy for the other team and not mad that we lost because of the circumstances so I finished that year <clears throat> never really got to pitch significant games in the postseason they didn't get to me much so I think in the offseason I'm going to go back to starting well, our general manager had other plans, and it kind of shocked me that the plans he had was, if I'm going to come back, because I'm a free agent now, if I'm going to come back to the Atlanta Braves, I'm going to come back as the closer. And I was like, what? And in my mind, I know what that meant. It's like, well, he, he, it's a pay cut. He, he, he's gonna, <laughs> I'm going to get a pay cut. And, <laughs> and so I, I desperately wanted to play my whole career with Atlanta. I wanted to play for Bobby Cox. So we worked out a deal last minute. I turned down, you know, other deals with other clubs. So I became a closer and I'm going to learn basically on the job because all I did was like a month and change before. Long story short, I have three surgeries on my thumb. They thought they were going to have to take off my thumbnail, but I ended up having to learn how to hold the baseball completely different. Not a good plan to become your first time closer. And I only got six innings in spring training due to the injury. I was not ready, but I had to fake it until I was ready. I gave up a bunch of runs in my first couple games. People started questioning whether it was going to work or not. My general manager was questioning whether I should play golf or not. All these things were going on. Meanwhile, I knew it was just a matter of time once I got the reps. Played a ton of golf, by the way, because I told them it's not going to be a problem. Yeah. And that year I got 55 saves. It was going to be my, that meant it's, you know, now I'm in a closer. There's no chance of returning back to the starting rotation. So that's the story that nobody knows. And then what happened is I go three years as closer. I mean, I, I saved a lot of games in a three year period. They used me a ton. I got two more elbow injuries out of it, but we never won a postseason series. So. When it came to the time where the general manager, same general manager, says, what do you think makes us better? I'm now three years removed. I said, me as a starter. I said, no disrespect to Mariano Rivera. He's the best we've ever had. But they got to him. They they got to him. That's why they won championships. I, I said, I, I'm just not being able to be used at that time as a starter. At least I can effectively. So 
that's the story. I went back to starting. Everyone said I was crazy. Dumbest thing I've ever done. I made the all-star team, led the team in innings. And, you know, in a strange way, that led me to the Hall of Fame. That wasn't my path. I didn't want to, I didn't try to do something different to get there. I wanted to win a championship so bad that whatever it took, I was willing to do it. And um, it was the hardest thing. It's not like, it's not quite like playing right-handed golf and then turn around and playing left-handed, but it is totally opposite of personalities and physical. Um, there's so much difference between the two. I had to learn. I had to learn on the job. Well, I, you know, I mean, this is from, you know, an, an ignorance uh, perspective, but I mean, it, it feels to me, it's always felt to me so impressive because it feels like being an all-star Hall of Fame marathon runner and then a sprinter. Yeah. Like that's what it feels. That's what it feels like the difference would be, you know, it, it put is. everything I, I, in. Yeah, yeah. I tell people all the time, like I was more exhausted the year I got 55 saves than when I threw 256 innings in the regular season, not counting the 40 in the postseason. That's, that's the, the marathon. You're training once every five days to pitch. Whereas as a closer, you could be in four in a row, five in a row, three out of four. I like being able to affect the outcome a little bit more. But I tell people, if I got in my car and drove to work the same route every single day, that's starting. If I got in a race car, NASCAR, and went 190 miles an hour and took different routes every day, that's closing. Uh, To put it in perspective, I got interviewed 36 times when I was a starter. As a closer, I was in 78 games. And I got interviewed four times. And those were the four games that I blew. <laughs> they don't interview you when you're successful. They interview <laughs> you when you blow a save. So that's the difference. Uh, you played 20 years, 21 years for the Braves. Do you regret the year you left? Uh, I do in this regard. It was workable and it was out of my control. I wanted very bad. There was a change of guard in the general manager. Looking back, I understand they didn't really want me to go to spring training with Tom Glavin to compete for a spot. And I'm coming off of major shoulder surgery. And I get all of that. But the way it went down was very disappointing to me because there were some inaccuracies that were being said about why I left. And they were not even close to true. And so Boston gave me an incredible opportunity to pitch. And so they valued what I could do in the second half. It worked awful. For me, if I had one redo in life, I was very in tune with my body. I worked my tail off to rehab at an incredible record rate to come back from the shoulder surgery. I have nine anchors in my shoulder, and you you just can't really pitch with nine anchors. But I listened to their protocol versus my own, and it went really bad. I didn't pitch well. That's a great organization. Their fan base is unbelievable. I wanted so bad to do well for them. I ended up getting released and picked up by the Cardinals. It was a great landing for me, a great end of my career, classy organization. And they gave me an opportunity to pitch relief. And ironically, I set a franchise record. The first game I pitched for them, most strikeouts in a row ever by a starter, which I don't even understand how that's possible with, with the pitching they've had. So in the end, it was a great end of my career because I got back on the field. But I wanted so bad to play my entire career for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, I'll always be an Atlanta Brave, but those other two organizations gave me a chance 
to uh, get back on the field and walk away on my own terms. That's awesome. First ballot Hall of Famer in uh, 2015. I mean, look, I, I know how much that means for you. Do you feel like the the whole crew that you have there, the fact that you all, Tommy, Glavin, and Maddox have, it's weird because pitchers in baseball are seen as as such singular, and the three of you so tied together through all of that success in Atlanta. Obviously, Greg coming a little bit later. Does that make it more special? Is that irrelevant to you? No, I, I think it's special in this regard. We didn't talk about anything while we were playing, meaning we didn't talk about the run we were on, how long, all, all of us getting in the Hall of Fame. We never said anything. And the fact that it worked out the way it did, mine in my own year and those guys obviously connected, this is the way I viewed it. They were the two best pitchers I've ever played with, of course, and they're Hall of Famers, and they were they won 300 games. I was the guy with all the potential and all the stuff, and I was supposed to win Cy Youngs. I was the guy with a lot of the injuries and the surgeries and always, you know, my time came in the postseason. But what makes it pretty cool for us is that, you know, I just played one more year than they did. You know, we didn't talk about, hey, let's all go in together. Right. Um you know, and the fact that that when we look back, we know it'll never be replicated for a lot of reasons. We had a blast. And I was 15 years with Glav and, and 10 with the three of them. And we played a ton of golf. And I learned a lot from each of them. But I was so much different than those guys. And the fact that we could pick each other's brains and we could all have our moments. 96, I finally had mine for a Cy Young. Glav won his. And, of course, Greg won four. It, it just was it was fun to check your ego. Um, when you came to the park because you got a chance to see a great game and be embarrassed if you want to be the guy. And, you know, <laughs> indirectly, we kind of had this little inner competition that we never talked about. If Tommy went out and threw nine innings and gave up two runs and five hits, Greg would intuitively want to go nine innings and give up one run. And then if he did, I'd want to go nine and give up zero. And we felt that a no-hitter would reset the clock. But we never – no one, none of us ever threw a no-hitter, which is pretty amazing with that all the games amazing. that we pitch. And I feel like it's going to sound like sour grapes, but I got robbed. There's no doubt about it. You can check the archives. It was in San Diego. And I'm going to give you this stat after we're done about Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn gave me, Maddox, Glavin, Pedro Martinez fits. Okay? He gave everybody fits. It's the eighth inning, two outs, and there's no hits. I got him in San Diego. And I'm cruising. And I know I got to think like 12 strikeouts. I know if I get Tony Gwynn out, I'm going to get no hitter. He hits a fly ball to left field, and it's still one of the greatest lines Skip Carey's ever said. Ryan Klesko was playing left field at the time because he was a first baseman converted uh -oh. over to left field. Yeah. And he ran about 15, 20 feet and got to the track, and the ball hit the glove, and it dropped. Now, I know it's an error, and everybody probably knows it's an error, except for the official scorer. Who gave it a double? He calls it, and hit. the place, the fans go crazy. And I, uh, inside, I want to, I want to explode, right? So I'm trying to convince Bobby Cox, let me go up for the night. They have to change it. There's no way if I don't give up in the hit, they got to change it. He goes, John, I've been doing this a long time. That man over there, Tony Gwynn, they are not going to change it for him. <laughs> and so I went in the clubhouse. <laughs> I 
saw these stools that we all have in front of our locker, and I went crazy on them. I broke about seven of them. Not a, not proud of it, but I right. felt like they were laughing at me. You know, like they were like, ha, ha, ha. Right, right. And that's kind of my no-hitter, but it, you'll never find it because it's not documented. And Skip Carey had this line, because you know what, here in Skip Carey, he goes, Ryan's running the right routes. We just can't get the ball to him. <laughs> and Ryan just had a hard time playing left field because he really was a first baseman, but we needed his yeah. bat. And so the stat I'm going to give you, which is blows people's mind, we faced Tony Gwynn 323 times, the four of us. All four of us are in the Hall of Fame. How many times do you think we struck him out? 34. Three times. That's impossible. I got him once. That's impossible. That's exactly right. That's the difference of that time frame and Tony Gwynn and his greatness. Pedro, one of the nastiest of all time starters, did not strike him out. Maddox did not strike him out. I got him once and Glavin got him twice. He hit 444 off of me lifetime. I think 457 or something off of Maddox, high off of Pedro. And I think Glavin was in the 300s. I'm telling you, he was unbelievable. And so when I saw him every time at a card show and he had this high pitched kind of laugh and chuckle and I'd go, really, Tony? 3,000 some hundred minus one hit. You think that was a hit? You know, I couldn't let it go. And uh, you just would laugh. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen nicotine pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zen won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zin. Find your Zin online or in a store near you at zin.com slash find. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Tiger Woods has uh, gone on record to say that you, John Smoltz, is the best non-PGA golfer that he has ever played with. I want, for the record, to to state I have never played with Tiger. So I just and there's a, and and that's the thing about that statement. One, it crushes my handicap from that point on. Like nobody would give me strokes anymore. Like didn't yeah. matter what my handicap was. In fairness, I don't know how many non-PGA players Tiger ever played with, okay? Not he's me. played with a few. He's, he didn't play with you, so he can't, he can't base it on that. Right. But I did get a chance to have the time of my life for about 10 years playing over 35 rounds of golf with Tiger in his heyday. And it is still memories that I'll never forget, shots I'll never forget, moments I'll never forget. You know, I mean, he has gears like we all know. He had gears that you just – no one I brought to play with Tiger could help themselves, but he, they all got sucked into talking trash with him. And you don't do that. You don't talk trash to Michael Jordan. No. And you don't talk trash to Tiger Woods. It just puts them in another gear. And yeah. I would tell him, I say, let him be. He, he might only shoot 68. Let him be. Don't <laughs> get him to where he wants to shoot, you know, 62. 62, 62 and, exactly. And we had this one, we had this one match. It's the only time I did it. And I didn't really do it on purpose, but we were on a par five, par three. There's five of us. My buddy who was a 12 and then everyone else was a scratch. And my buddy got a hole in one on the par three and the scorecard read one, two, three, four, five. There's five players, five different scores. And so when I picked the ball out of the hole and my buddy's name is Scott, I said, Scott, what is more believable when we get back home? The fact that you made a hole in one or beat Tiger by four on one hole? <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. So he kind of, he kind of shot me a finger and he went in the next 22 holes because we played 27. He went 12 under par and it was the greatest display of golf. Like, I put up the antennas I'm indirectly. I thought it was a brilliant line. And, <laughs> and he went crazy after that. And I didn't listen to my own advice. John is, uh, well, he's always in contention at any celebrity golf event, played on the champions tour a couple of times, uh, come painfully close at the American century championship in Lake Tahoe, uh, a couple of times. Two-time winner at the Tournament of Champions, uh, Hilton Grand Vacations. Is that correct? Two-time winner. Can I can I can I file a small complaint on that? Which one? I was the two-time winner. I was two-time defending champ, and they switched courses on mm. me, so wow. the the three peak could not happen. I think it was done on purpose. I can't I can't be for sure, but I have not played well since. <laughs> well. Well, uh, but I, I saw you in the locker room on Sunday a couple, just a couple of weeks ago. You shot sixty nine, isn't that right? Uh, yes, I did. But 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 I played so bad 
the first day. Like I didn't even know that I didn't realize that I was a golfer after the first day. Did I score more points than you the first day? I tell you what, I kept looking at the scoreboard and you were darn close. And I said, if I don't get one more point than you, I might withdraw. Not was because it, was it one not, point? I, it ended up being a couple points, but I kept looking and I kept saying, oh my goodness. <laughs> I played pretty well that first day. I you played did. Well. Let me ask you this, though. You're a two time champion, Hilton Grand Vacations, tournament of champions, Orlando, Florida. But I am a two-time first player chosen for the Pro-Am guy, which makes me believe I'm the people's champion. What's better, winning the event or being chosen first? It's a good question. It is a great question. And and honestly, because of my lack of social media presence, I feel like you have an unfair advantage there. (laughs) And and so you are the people's choice. There's no doubt. I only get selected because of my golfing ability. You get selected because you have the combination of so many other things that they'll put up with the fact that maybe they're not going to win the pro-am, right? Right. They're looking for a good time. They certainly are. Surprisingly enough, most people who play with me come away going, I didn't realize he was that funny. Like, I'm actually a really funny guy that doesn't get a chance to showcase it on the stage that you do. Although I did, you know, I do have a role in The Hill. I don't know if you saw it. It's the number one movie on Netflix, and I've got like a 35, 45-second role oh, in there. That's yeah. very good. I do wanna I do wanna make a clarification. You do have jokes. I don't I don't know if it's funny. I don't know if I don't, there was there's just a small distinction. Maybe it's my delivery. Maybe in somebody we'll, else's hands, if Bill Murray said in somebody else's hands that joke is funny. <laughs> Hey, listen, you help me with my golf game. I'll help you uh okay. I'll help you with the delivery. Uh eight years, as I mentioned at the top, being the the number one analyst on Fox Sports for their MLB coverage, calling the World Series. That's special for you. It is. You, yeah. Do you love that? I do. And 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 really when I got into broadcasting, I told my agent, I said, I'm not just doing this to do it. I'm doing it because I want to get to the highest level. I want to do it at the the highest level. And so I worked for a long time to get to that point. My opportunity was presented. I worked with one of the greatest all time in Joe Buck. I worked for a great company and I get to see baseball that I still love at the best time. And that's in October. I do regular season games, but the the all time best is when I get to see players play in the postseason. Everyone who's a fan thinks they know the sport and they're fans of the sport. But when you've kind of been in that and done that, you can give people something that they would never maybe know before. And that's really my only goal when I'm broadcasting is to to bring in some insights that people may never have gotten a chance to know. I love the game of baseball. You and I have talked about it a lot. I've always loved the game of baseball. And to me, what is so special and so unique about the analysts role specifically in baseball is i mean what is it it's got to be 180 you know 5000 ish games a year 5 to 6000 games a year over 100 years and i'm telling you the number of games particularly when the games are meaningful that something happens that i've never seen before or that anyone yeah. has ever seen before makes it you know 
incredibly special. Yeah, it's crazy to think like, again, just my, I mean, this is going on now 40 plus years that, well, I played longer than that, but, but in the game of baseball professionally since the age of, of 18 to 56, I, you're right. I mean, you think you've seen it and you think like, you know, pretty much every rule and then something stumps you to go, well, I didn't even know that you could do that or that somebody, I, I look, the talent's never been greater. And now we get the game moving again. You know, those rule changes drove everybody crazy thinking that the game was like, what, what, what's going on? But the game's moving again and the time of the game is going to be more palatable for people and the athletes get to adjust and, and they're going to be fine this year. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's almost an annual text and I guess it, I don't know. Well, you tell me if it's just like annoying or something, but I feel like I text you after the world series every year. And I say, what is, what is true I don't, there's, there's not a lot of people that I send this message to even those that I have the number. I think you do just a hell of a job. I really do. John, I feel like you add so much to the entertainment of sports during those postseason games. I, I mean it when I text it to you, I, I only do it once a year. But, I, you know, it's coming off the World Series and just going, you know what? Like, he just made those two and a half to three hours really fun and informative and enjoyable and full of drama. So, yeah, I congratulations. Well, I, pre- I appreciate that. I had to learn, like, in this industry, you wouldn't believe. I mean, you would believe from the social media standpoint, which I don't have anything to, to combat people with. But they're so used. People in, in baseball are used to their home broadcast booth. Right. Yes. You listen to him and then come postseason. It's like John Smoltz hates the Rangers. John Smoltz hates the, uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Joe Davis hates the Atlanta Braves. And the best advice Joe Buck gave me is he, he goes, look, if 50% of the fan base think you're rooting for the other team, you're doing a pretty good job. But yeah. don't pay attention to that because they don't understand that when you call a home run, which I don't, they do for the opposite team. The home fans get mad. They're like, why is he so happy? (laughs) But we're a national broadcast coming in to be completely neutral. And I got more flack for calling the Atlanta Braves World Series against the Houston Astros. And everyone knows I'm an Atlanta Brave. And that was the hardest job that I had to do because I'm going to be neutral and do my job. There were fans of Atlanta said they were mad at me because I wasn't rooting hard enough for the Atlanta Braves to win the World <laughs> Series. And I finally said on the radio, I said, what most people don't understand is my words. I can speak into action what's going to happen so that they act. And I'm like, people can't be that. They really can't believe that. And that's so that's just so the nature, nature of, the, of, of what we do. Yeah, I, I have seen those. Uh... Gosh, there was something on the, speaking of the social media with Joe Buck, the opposing fans talking about how much Joe Buck, you know, Joe Buck loves the Cowboys. Joe Buck hates the Cowboys. Joe Buck loves the Packers. Joe Buck hates the Packers. (laughs) It's unbelievable. I'm hoping Joe Davis helps the Dodgers this year, by the way. Yeah. Any team compete with the Dodgers this year? Not in the regular season. Yeah. They really. I mean, I think everybody knew. I think Pete, baseball people are like, Shohei Otani's going to the Dodgers. Okay, it's yes. just a matter of how long, how much. I think people kind of, you know, would have been shocked if that didn't happen. But what they've done, aside from that, is blowing everybody's mind because now 
you know, the Dodgers have been the class of the last 10 years, and they've been kind of falling victim to what we did. They should have won a couple World Series. They didn't. Yeah. Some strategy that, you know, might have got questioned and, and, and might have been a reason, but they're loaded. And so what it's always come down to last year, they were beat up in their rotation. Yeah. And the Diamondbacks shocked the world by, by sweeping them. And I think it comes down to the same thing. You know, if they're not beat up at the end of the year, there's no doubt they're the favorites. And, you know, the Atlanta Braves are going to be right there. The Phillies, some of the same teams, but boy, oh boy, oh boy, the, the Dodgers, they got a ton of pressure on them. And I've said this from day one. If you're a player, you want that pressure. You, you do. You, you just know you're really good and everyone's going to give you your best shot and you're the favorites. Let's go take get it. it. And that, that's, you take it. And that, and, and certainly for this contract was not about one championship. This contract's about multiple. I think to, to validate this contract, a lot of people will say the Dodgers win two World Series. Man, that would be unbelievable. It's hard to win one. They should win one, and they're probably the favorite to win one over the next seven years. But the beauty about baseball is uh, it's a long year, and the postseason, teams get hot at the right time, and you can run into that team. Yeah. I was thinking about this. I'll close on this because, you know, I get a, a lot of flack. I mean, and that's saying it nicely from my friends in Atlanta, many of whom who are still there, who get on my case about being a Dodgers fan. But I you know, I've told I've said this many times. I, yeah. it's because I love the game of baseball. And I knew when I came out to Southern California, I wasn't ever going back and I wanted to be able to watch. And the way to do that was to go to Chavez Ravine and I and right. I I bought in. But I was thinking about this talking to you today. John Smoltz did it. John Smoltz was a tiger and now right. he's a brave. So anyone right. can change, including me. Boom. Well, suck it. I mean, I think you're trying to set it. You're trying to, you're, you're trying to ease the pain. It's a little different if you were, you part, of the, if you were part of the office and then you went to go be Seinfeld and then you were like, you know, right. it's a little different when you're a fan and when you're from the area. Just stop it, John. It's, Just, no, it's, you, it's, it's a harder justification. No, it's not. Make. It's because I love the game. The game. Here's what I would say to you. I would say to you, you're justified <laughs> in this, this regard. I become a Falcon fan when my Lions are in it because I live in Atlanta. Okay. You are a Dodger fan because you live in it in the, in LA. But if they play Atlanta, you're meeting some crossroads there. No, yeah, but I don't anymore. I'm too invested. I have season <laughs> tickets. I have season tickets. It's like, I, I can't, John, you're not helping me because I was going to tell them all to listen to this and now I won't. Let me just say this. If you or Tommy or Greg, if you got, if any of you strapped it back on, put on yeah. the old jock strap and put in the cup and yeah. did, did you wear a cup, by the way? I did. did. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked at the amount of pictures that did. There wasn't a game I never wore a cup. That's just crazy talk. I just was talking to somebody about this. There's a ton of people that they they don't wear them. That's crazy. It's It's beyond crazy. But anyway, so good. Anyway, if you do it, if you strap it on, (laughs) strap it on and stick it in, John, I would root for you or Tommy or Greg, as long as you weren't, as, as long as you, as long as you didn't come back as a giant. Otherwise I would root for you guys. Okay. Now, how long, how long have you 
have you been in LA? Well, I mean, I like to make people think that I'm still 29, but it's been, it's been, it's been 20 years, you know, so let me put it is, this way. Is it longer than Atlanta? Oh yeah. Okay, I mean, well, then you're I mean there was a, there was a period of time there where I was, you know, when I left, I left Atlanta when I left, when I graduated from high school, which oddly enough was 91, but I was TBS made yeah. me be able to watch every game. I mean, there was that period of time before the MLB package and after the Braves started being off TBS, like I couldn't even watch the Braves. Yeah. No, you you're know, fine now. You've lived longer. You, you, you're fine. You, you're justified. The first couple of years, I actually met Bobby at, uh, I'll tell you what your, uh, your, your hotel was the, uh, something Huntington, the Ritz Carlton Huntington yeah. over there in Pasadena. I met Bobby there and, uh, I think Chipper was there who, who I met out in, uh, at the American century a couple of times. That was tough. That was tough for me. Now that Stan Caston is. Is, yeah. It's almost it's almost like we're <laughs> we're connected, me and Stan over well, with the Dodgers. I, I'm telling you, it, it is going to be a fun year. I will do a lot of Dodgers games, as you can imagine, for Fox. Um, they're going to have eyeballs on them all the time. They're going to have to play a lot of ESPN game, MLB Network game, Fox games, and what I find interesting more than anything, because I love Shohei Otani, and I've been rooting for him to be a two way success star forever. But I don't like the fact that is now it's the second Tommy John. And I, I, I think he's such a tremendous talent, but his velocity and force that he throws the ball, it'll be interesting to see how many years they get out of a two way player. You know, I'm sure they're hoping this contract will live up to and they're going to monetize it and, and make so much money. I, I get it. Like I get all that. It's the other moves they made that were just as good. It's hard to say it could be better than getting the greatest player in the game. Yeah. John, it's always a pleasure. I know I will see you here you coming Dallas? up. In, no. You're not? No. I, don't, I, I still have to work for a living, so I can't, I can't just play golf. So I will not be in Dallas, which is unfortunate. That is. That is. That's bummed me out. What what's the what's the end game goal for uh, cameos for you? You you've got the record right, like John Smoltz, everybody. John <laughs> John John Smoltz. Uh, I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you in the what is it? The north, the yeah, the, Tahoe. the west. I'll see you out in Lake Tahoe very soon. Day one, just watch that leaderboard for me. I'm a sprinter. I'm <laughs> You're a sprinter. The greatest. You are the greatest motivator for me when I'm having one of the worst rounds of block in my ever. Like you, you don't know what you did for me seeing that score and, and going, "Is that is that real?" I told my caddy, I said, "We got to get a few more points." <laughs> John Smoltz, thank you so much. Pitchers and catchers reporting. Let's start the baseball season. Go Dodgers! That's right. Thank you. John, great talking to you today. Thanks so much. 
for being on here. I hope I didn't take you away from the golf course too early today. I am looking forward to seeing and listening to you on television this summer and fall, and of course, on the golf course this season. Listeners, thanks for doing what you do, listening, namely. Thank you for listening trying to say i'm going to be back next week with another episode of off the beat won't you come along i hope you do i'll see you here until then everybody have a great week off the beat is hosted and executive produced by me brian baumgartner alongside our executive producer ling lee our senior producer is Diego Tapia. Our producers are Liz Hayes, Hannah Harris, and Emily Carr. Our talent producer is Ryan Papa Zachary, and our intern is Ali Amir Sahid. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by the one and only Creed Bratton. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.